Welcome to the WriterFest podcast, where we celebrate writers of book, song, and film. Those magical, mysterious minds who pen the books we read, the songs we sing along to, and the shows and films we binge. I'm your host, Amy McConnell, publishing veteran, book doctor, and author. My guest today is Becca Stevens, author of Practically Divine. She's also a terrific speaker, social entrepreneur, priest, founder of 10 nonprofit justice initiatives, and president of Thistle Farms, one of my favorite places to be here in Nashville. Becca's been featured on PBS NewsHour, The Today Show, CNN, ABC World News. She's been named a CNN hero and White House Champion of Change. Drawing from 25 years of leadership and mission-driven work, Becca leads important conversations across the country with an inspiring message that love is the strongest force for change in the world. Her newest book, Practically Divine, has been published by our friends at Harper Horizons. I know you're going to love our conversation today. Welcome to the Writer Fest podcast, Becca Stevens. I'm so glad you're here. I am so happy to be here. Well, I have been trying to get on your calendar for a bit now because I am dying to talk to you about your new book, yes. Practically Divine. Yes. So we, I found it. I have to tell you, I found my copy at Parnassus. I did not even know you had a new book out. And I was walking around Parnassus, which is, as you know, our local independent bookstore here in Nashville, which everybody is crazy about, owned by um, our friends, Karen Hayes and Ann Patchett. And I was walking around and I saw Practically Divine on an end cap. And I was like, I love that turn of phrase, practically divine. It feels like a little bit of an oxymoron. And I picked it up and I was like, Becca Stevens. I love Becca Stevens. So that was my first realization that you had a book out. I must be living under a rock. But uh, so tell <laughs> us about that. So, you know, I mean, any anybody that was writing released their pandemic book, didn't they? I mean, there were so many books, but that was the biggest gift of the pandemic for me is that I wasn't on the road. I wasn't starting, you know, new enterprises or helming houses for women or any of those things. And I got to write the book I've been wanting to write forever. And mm. I got to do it with an amazing team of people at HarperCollins. So it was, I think it was my best experience of writing itself. Do you know, just enjoying the mm -hmm. process but I wanted to write about, you know, a book that would, you know, tell amazing stories after 25 years of work at Thistle Farms, tell heroic stories of women. I wanted to celebrate my mom, but I also wanted it to be just an entertaining book that people would enjoy reading, not mm -hmm. just a self-help or an informational book, but something like where you laughed and cried in the midst of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You did. I think you achieved that for sure. And I loved, I loved, you mentioned your mom. That really spoke to me that the, the sort of the thing that holds the book together really is your mom in a way, yeah. right? Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit for those of us who haven't read, I've read the book, but I, I'm just thinking of our listeners who might not have read the book yet. I want you to tell us about that part. So my mom was a single mom, 35 years old when my father was killed by a drunk driver and she had five kids, and she just, you know, boom, 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 running around doing her thing. And she was a very practical person, and so she had all these sayings, like a saying for every occasion, anything you were going through, she would just, you know, there was a saying to fix it or to ignore it or to get over it or whatever her thing was that she needed you to do. And so I did the chapters, titles of those, some of those sayings, and then you know, throughout it, used it 
the book is a way to kind of unpack those and mm. get deeper meanings. Mm-hmm. You know, like saying something's just practically divine. Like, what does that mean? What do we really mean by that and looking at it? And, you know, it, it was this way of what I think at least I was trying to do is say, when we hear these old voices in our heads that are still there, there's a way to unpack it and pull out the things that are helpful and then maybe let go of the things that aren't helpful, maybe like um, overtly or covertly racist or sexist or whatever those things are or that do damage to our personhood, scary voices, whatever it is. And then kind of appreciate where you are and what it is you want to say. What are your sayings? You know, how do you experience the practically divine right here in this world? And then finally freeing ourselves up enough to have a vision of a feast or the future kind of idea like something hopeful, something, you know, where we're in the flow, where we feel um, at our very best. And so that was the point of taking each phrase as a title and then taking past, present, and future to carry us through. I'm gonna I'm gonna just give our listeners a couple of them just to kind of give them a, a sense of what that meant. Like I remember there was in broad daylight, which was so fun to unpack because that again, you as you say, there are some things about that are that were uh, maybe not as helpful that were packed into that, but then there were some other things that were very helpful, and that also um, come to find out uh, there were a number of them. But I, it for me that exercise of what are some of those voices in my head, some of those um, aphorisms or whatever it is that feel like they mean a lot, but maybe are said in a very uh, short way. Um, It gave me permission to pay a little bit more attention to some of those voices that were in my own head. And I started unpacking some of those, which was so cool to to walk away from your book and do some sort of soul work in a way and in a creative way. I'm glad. I'm so glad. You know, I mean, because I think of like that thing you said, like it start the first chapter was in broad daylight. And that was like my mother being just, you know, appalled at somebody's gall and gumption or whatever her things were just like right there in broad daylight, they did that. And it was like, what does that mean? You want, you know, what is the shadow? What is that whole thing that we do? And again, what I think is interesting is not that phrases are unique, but that when we say them, we have our mother's voice in our head and it can be a 25, 30 year old voice. But like when I use some of my mother's phrases, like I can actually hear her voice with the tone, with the inflection. And it makes me laugh. Like, it's not like, she said it like, oh, my gosh, in broad daylight. <laughs> no, it was in broad daylight? Right. In broad daylight. The nerve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and the, that you bring it back to me that she had five kids, and which, as you know, I do as well, five kids and, and two bonus kids. So there's a sense in which sometimes we compact our words into something really, really tight because we mean so much because we just don't have time or space. But then when we do have time or space, as you as you did, as you say, to explore these, then we kind of unpack them almost like a gift, but also, as you say, throw away some of the sh- chaff. Is that, is that it? That's yeah, not helpful. The chaff. Yes. And that is what I think I'm, my hope is that this book is for anybody who kind of enjoys that exercise it's an intellectual inner mm. exercise it's a um, creative exercise 
it's a deep exercise. You know, it's a spiritual thing to do all that work too. And so I don't ever want to read any other ever, ever self-help book that says like, okay, here's the four C's to success. And then they just act like that there's a formula. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not there. You know, I mean, like meaning and faith, they're not secret things that you're going to give me the secret formula for. It's about this idea of this practice and this way of being where we kind of make that path for ourselves with one another. And so what I'm hoping the book does is it kind of spurs that on and inspires people to do some of that work. Oh, but reading it, I just have to say, is not work. It is pleasure oh, because you're, you. you're so um, transparent and in, in the sense of sharing your own life in a very vivid way, in a way that makes us feel like you're sharing your, you know, real life. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of how you share things about like walking in, in the forest and also, oh, knitting and thinking in the bathtub and how the weight of all the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis, really um, scary and traumatic things that happen there at Thistle Farms and in, in your, in your um, all of your work in the nonprofit world. Um, you invite us into some of that untangling that you do, but in a way that shares it in a very transparent way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. I think part of why I'm so crazy about it is because I am a creative also, and so are our listeners. And you share a little bit about, you share quite a bit about what it looks like to be at that um, intersection of practical and also creative right? Can you speak to that a little bit? Especially, um, I want you to speak a little bit about how um, crafts come into play, crafting or tactile stuff. Yeah. So like, again, one of my mother's sayings, we can make it, meaning we can, we'll get through this. And also we can make it, we can actually make it. And so I've spent my whole life making things. I love it. And it's part of how anybody doesn't know Thistle Farms that started 25 years ago, I started it you know, it was housing women who were survivors of trafficking and sexual exploitation and addiction. And then we moved into making bath and body care products because I knew mm-hmm. how to make all that stuff. I love doing that. Um, you know, I always say the company started in my bathtub. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it really did. But the idea is that you're that these crafts and these things that we make, it's not about perfection. It is about practicality. They're Mm. practically divine, meaning almost and just enough. They're useful. They're beautiful. And I really think crafts are revolutionary. I think they're therapeutic, revolutionary. You know, there's a million different examples. If you just look at what's happening in Ukraine right now, about a week into the invasion, you know, women all over Ukraine, many, many women, not just a few. There were a lot weaving out of you know, whatever they could find materials to make some camouflage for their soldiers, like whatever it is you have at your disposal, this idea of creating and making. And I think about like how just in the United States of America, one of my favorite examples is when, you know, you could not have a conversation about HIV AIDS in the early eighties, um, in ways that felt safe and supportive. There was so much fear and judgment and all this. The AIDS quilt changed that conversation. That is crazy, but it's the truth mm-hmm. that people turned it into personal stories. They turned it into these images um, in cloth. 
to honor real people that were going through real things and laying it out in the middle of the Capitol. What a radical, beautiful, revolutionary thing to do. And so for me, I think, you know, not only is it fun to make things, but it's economical. And if you talk about love and um, change you want to make, you have to be able to talk about economics. And sometimes it is these old school crafts, women coming together, they're safer. You know, they're not being raped. They're not beholding to men who are going to beat the hell out of them. This is a way for women to come together to say, I need to tell this story, but I also need to be able to buy my groceries and help my kids. So I just, right. I'm a huge believer in, in crafting at all letter le- levels. And I talk about that all through Practically Divine. Right, right. You do. And, and it is very, it's a very practical outgrowth and we get to be beneficiaries of it here in Nashville, especially, but elsewhere, all around the world. But here in Nashville, we have Thistle Farms Cafe and Thistle Farms Store. Um, I'm, I love to write at Thistle Farms Cafe. It's one of my favorite places to go and get, I get the, um, the golden milk latte and that's my, I love that yummy, yummy thing. And, um, I always talk to Tammy, one of my favorite ladies behind the counter. Um, but I always hit the shop as well. Um, because you have such terrific, terrific candles and scents and even now such great clothing. Um, you're, you're wearing one of the scarves that I've scarves that I've, I've purchased there. And I have my love, love heels hat that I bought there that I always get comments on, Oh, this farms, you're a fan, you know, people love that in this town. And anyway, we just, I just love this farms and what you guys are about. So shout out to you. Thank you. Thank you. And I thought the cafe was really important in the idea of creating community that was about being practically divine, about being together in the best way we can, that we have to feed each other, both, again, creatively, intellectually, spiritually, but physically, like, it makes a big difference to be able to sit down and have a very healing cup of tea while you're writing. I mean, that's a huge part of my life, and I want that for everybody and that is the goal of the cafe. What I didn't realize is like we have women like that will drive down from Kentucky to have a cup of oh, coffee awesome. with a friend. And they're saying, you know, oh, we're on our way somewhere else. But we came through here because this is such an important place to right. to feel that love in the midst of it. So I hope people do write in there. That makes me so happy. Thank you. I'd love to meet other writers there, too. So, I, in fact, I was there a week ago with, with another writer. Yes. Just to say, we're going to commune here. We're going to, we're going to meet up and we're going to talk about what we love and, um, and then we're going to pull apart and <laughs> work on our laptops on the, on our respective creative projects. So that's wonderful. I love this, the, the mission and the movement that is going on there. I could never write in the cafe. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't well, do that. I mean, I'm, I would be, I'm distracted by every single thing. I have to be in such, I have to be in such a, like a non-stimulating almost space where it's like, like people say, go to a writer's cabin and it's like, okay, I have so much fun in writer's cabins and I do everything but write. (laughs) You know, I hike, I cook, you know, I make things, but it's like a new environment. It's very exciting. I'm very happy. It's like, if I'm going to write, I have to be like, I mean, I always say like, if you want me to do the laundry, tell me to write. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I have to do, it's, I have to just get away like into my, like the, just, you know, 
what do horses have? What do you call those things? Blinders, aren't yes, they? Yes, I have to have blinders because I can, like, I can, I love everything around me, so I get distracted easily. Well, I think I heard you talking one time, I don't think, because I vividly recall hearing you speak one time about writing and how it was important to you to get into nature, to let it kind of let your thoughts sift and then. Well, my writing, that's where, I mean, I can take notes on hikes. I can go into the mountains for days and take notes, but the writing piece is like pre-dawn in the bathtub. Oh, I mean, that's how I actually... I have to, like, it really is, like, before I start emails, before um, I start doing everybody else's agenda for my day, it's like I can, there's where I can get a thought in edgewise. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a really old school bathroom. It's not big at all, an old school bathtub, but I've built a uh, um, duct tape board that fits in this small bathtub, like regular bathtub boards don't work because it's up against the wall. So it only has like maybe a quarter inch lip. And so you have to put a stopper underneath it. So it never slides, but port oils, hot water, tea, I can stay in there for hours, just re refill and go. And I can, that's where like, I don't have any hunger. I don't know time. I don't worry about anything. It's like, I can, be in my space and write. Hmm. That's so interesting. I love the, all the details of that. Of course, you would give us the details of the oil and the, <laughs> the duct tape. I mean, there's so many sensory images and all of that. And do you write longhand? Is it longhand or are you on your laptop? No, I'm on my laptop and over the bath. And it's never, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to jinx myself. <laughs> But I will say, I mean, you can, it's been okay so far. Let me say that. <laughs> no, no, no accidents so far. You, you are in a very creative space at home, aren't you? I mean, you, you have a kind of a creative community. Nashville is a creative community, honestly, just, it's a very creative space that we live in, thankfully. But even your, your family is, you, you come from a family, you are in a family of writers, right? Yes. Yeah. My husband is a, you know. Songwriter, Hall of Fame writer, Marcus Summon. My son, Levi, is one of the big up-and-coming country artists. Both of them are writers. Both of them write at the house all the time. And my husband is the best teacher I ever had. I mean, we've been married 35 years. And, you know, he writes every single day. I mean, he's taught me early on, like, trust the work, not the inspiration. Trust the work, not the inspiration. If we do the work, the inspiration will come. But, you know, inspiration is pretty fickle. And so you can't wait on that stuff. But he plays the piano every morning. I always say it's like a monk chant, just repetitive playing on the keyboard. And you'll hear old melodies just over, over mantra-like. And then all of a sudden, every now and then, it just soars into a new space and I hear it from the bathtub. So, I mean, I have background music, if you can believe it. And it's not loud because he's not like playing loud. But every now and then I'm like, I just, I know I just heard this melody for the first time in the world. Like I was the first person to probably hear the melody of Bless the Broken Road or the first person to hear the melody of Cowboy Take Me Away. Like he, he does that in this beautifully disciplined free way. And anyway, so that's 
that is the environment that I live in and I'm so grateful and nobody's seeking perfection. You know, we're just trying to keep going, you know, earn enough money to keep going. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> practical, very practical. And that's where the inspiration happens. Wow. I love that. What a beautiful idea and image of just that you're there when the light dawns, when, when the yes. creation happens. That's so cool. Oh. Well, and our, I like it too, that, um, you know, one of them will be in there playing like Marcus will be and Levi will come in to start playing something and Marcus will leave the room and say, well, I just lost the room. Like negotiating that space and the instruments and how that works. And then it's it's very interesting. And I'm like, I'm so glad nobody wants the bathtub. I got the bathtub all to myself. <laughs> and then, you know, we have another son, Caney Hummond, who is an amazing painter. I mean, he he's oh, making wow. his living. He graduated from college. And so the downstairs, the basement area, he turned into his first studio. And now he has his own house, his own studio at 26, making a living. Caney Hummond Art is like he has um, commissions, I think, out for a year or something. But he's he he so it good. was this space where he could paint, too. Like there is a creative, I think, a space where. It's like you are free to create. There is no judgment here. We love what you produce. And our youngest son is now just starting his design company. And he, you know, his whole idea is how do you organize space visually? You know, what is the visual organization of a space, which is design? And so I, I love that the last one is coming along and saying, okay, we have to organize all this space. <laughs> Because yeah. it's not working for me. <laughs> Isn't that what happens in a community, though? It's like there's always somebody who kind of fills the, finds the need and fills it. You know, yeah. it's so it's so cool. Oh, neat. Well, so, and even when you're a single person, I think there's something very special about serving, right? When you're serving on purpose and by choice, serving a need in the community. Yeah. And there's something even when it's, I mean, I think all of us serve, I mean, you know, I, I don't trust anybody that's not willing to take out the trash period. I mean, you know, I mean, cause that's like, we do that for each other and we do that to survive and we do that, you know, for all kinds of reasons. So for me, at least I feel like, you know, serving is, you know, you know, at least in the world of tea that I live in so much, it's a place of honor to be the server of tea. I mean, that's why the host gets to serve. It's the place of honor. And I think that in a lot of communities, the place where you serve is, is the place where you are honoring the community in the most powerful way. So, yeah, I mean, I hope all of us find our niche, whether or not we're single or not in our, the places where we live in, you know, I've, I'm a believer in running to community because I do think community is, the oldest entity the world knows for healing. And so we need some kind of community like a writing community, like a artist community, church community, bowling league. I don't care what it is, but for me, that is the place where you find, you know, your beauty, your brokenness, all of that comes together in that space. And it's where we hold each other up and hold each other accountable. Mm. So good. 
So good. Oh gosh. Let's all just come to Thistle Farms and, and, and find community. They're literally in Thistle Farms community. I love Wednesday it. Wednesday morning, nine o'clock. Come on. Is that the circle time? Yeah. Is that, is, tell about a little bit about what that means. So for decades, we um, gather on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m., light a candle and say one of the candles we made, say we light the candle for the woman on the street, the woman trying to find her way home. And then someone reads one of our 20 practices that we try to practice as a community and the circle is just open for people to reflect on that reading for a minute or two, not for very long. And then one of the women who is a graduate offers the final reflection and closes us out. That's it. And it's really beautiful. I've been several times, I have to say, and and I never leave with dry eyes. It's always so um, touching and so um, special. It's, it feels like a, a holy holy ground, holy space to be in. Um, so I'm, I do invite others to, to join it. Join me. Call, text me if you're a, a friend and you have my number. Text me and we'll go together. Friends, let me tell you if you don't already know about Thistle Farms. It's a social justice enterprise that provides healing, housing, and employment for women survivors of trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. The way they employ survivors while also funding their mission is by selling beautiful lotions, scrubs, candles, I love the candles, and essential oils that are handmade by the women in their program. The products are incredible, and they're the perfect way to make conscious purchases of practical items like hand soap and their thoughtful gifts. So let's pivot from there a little bit because we've been talking about Thistle Farms, which I love, and we've talked a little bit about Practically Divine, which I love. Let's <laughs> do some shout outs to um, writers and people in the writing community that you love. Um, well, you've already mentioned Harper Horizon, which you said has given you the best experience, publishing experience that you've had thus far, which I think that's Andrea, Andrea Fleck Nesbitt, right? Yeah. Love her. Do you love her? I do love her. Yes, for sure. She's amazing. I mean, the whole team over there is amazing. I mean, everybody over there has been so kind and, and wonderful about it. But, you know, my heart is the next thing I really want to write is really I want to start this. I want to write in a genre. And I don't know if it is a genre, but what I want to write is justice mysteries. I want to tell some of the stories that some of the folks around the world that I've been involved with through all these years of starting programs have been through, especially it's the women who have been through and tell that story, um, you know, in a, in a mystery series, it's going to be so much fun, but I'm reading my brilliant friend. Do you know that? Uh, um, the writer is Elena Ferrente and it's a series new to me. Yeah. So Bonnie Smith Whitehouse, who is also, I love Bonnie Smith Whitehouse. She's a great writer. She turned me on to this. um, Bonnie's let's tell Bonnie's book. Bonnie's book is, is it walk? What's the name of Bonnie's book? That's about a foot. Oh, a foot. Yes. Yes. And she's written another one that's just coming out too. But Bonnie Smith Whitehouse is one of my favorite, but one of my favorites, but she just gave me this book. And so I've been reading it at night and it's all about like 1950s and Italy and these young girls growing up and what they're going through. And it's been 
So much fun to read it. I love it. Okay, we're going to put this in our show notes for sure. So tell me the title. Do you know it? My Brilliant Friend. Okay, My Brilliant Friend. And it's called The Neapolitan Novels. This is the first one in the Neapolitan Novels. And it's Elena Ferrente. Okay, we'll definitely put that in the show notes for people. And then, so that's a little bit about what you're reading. Can you tell us what you're listening to? Oh, you know, um, again, because I'm just very interested in this new genre of mystery, I am saturated in mystery. So I'm reading mystery, I'm listening to mystery. And so, you know, I'm, I do a lot of walking. I walk a ton at Radnor, at Percy Warner in Nashville, but anywhere I am. And so I, the, I don't, I've been listening to books on tapes, not podcasts. And it's the Well, they don't have book. tapes anymore, Becca Stevens. You don't have tapes. Well, books, you know, <laughs> audio books, whatever, my audio books. What do you call them? Audible? Audible, I think usually is the, yeah, the, the format that we use. You know? no, I use a cassette tape. It's really exciting. <laughs> no, but I'm trying to think of his name. Oh, Louise Penny Mysteries. In <gasps> oh, I um, love more, her. more, um, Ganache, Gamash, Amor Gamash. But anyway, he had, it's like 20 books she's written about this guy and up in Canada. And so I've been listening. I think I'm on um, The Devils Are Here or something like that. The Devil's Here. Or some, I mean, they're just great murder mysteries. Beautiful. Yes. Oh, That's what is the I'm one reading? I read by her that was about the um, the opioid epidemic in the in Canada. Oh, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm was it, familiar was with it her. Was it Amor Gamash too? Was it a... <laughs> I don't know how you say his name. Is that it? Is that oh how you say gosh. it? I don't know. What do I know? I don't <laughs> but Canadians, we don't speak like they do. But yeah, okay. So you're listening to those scary books as you're walking around Radnor Lake. <laughs> yes, waiting for someone to jump out of the woods. No, I don't mind that. Like, that doesn't scare me. Visually, I get scared, but um, audiobooks, I'm okay. And I'm not walking at night. You know, <laughs> they're pre made trails. I'm not, you know, like, macheting my way through. Radnor Lake. <laughs> I'm sticking close to the signage about where to leash your dog. I'm not worried about you. I know you can fend for yourself. You're doing Absolutely. great. What about music, Becca? Are there any any um, songs that you would uh, recommend or any albums that you'd recommend? You know, I mean, my, that's, you know, really what I listen to is what's being played by Marcus Hummond and Levi Hummond all the time. There's always new music and bands they're working with and people they're working with. So, you know, my recommendation is, of course, Marcus Hummond and Levi Hummond for music. That's all I got. Oh, well, I will second that. That's, that's awesome. Well, he's, he's got a single that's done really well called Pain For It. And a guy named Walker Hayes did it, wrote it with him. And they wrote, made this dance up with it. And he has all these videos with the dance to the song and it just continues to have a life. It's amazing to me how, you know, it's been out for months and it's still like all these new people, all these just keep sending in, you know, hey, and they do this little dance thing and it's, um, it's just really fun to watch it have a life. That's awesome. I love that. Yes. We've seen Walker Hayes doing the, the yeah, sure. and my kids for sure. Paying for it. Tell them to look up paying for it. They're gonna I'm a fan. It. 
Yes, we'll put that in the show notes as well, for sure. Well, you've been so kind to give us some of your time this morning. Becca, I know you have a ton going on. I can see you're at Thistle Farms right now, yes. um, right? You're, you're on Charlotte Avenue right now. And we're I didn't even mention, we're close to you. We're in downtown Franklin um, at the sure. podcast studio. So, yeah. So, I, I may be by later this afternoon to pick up a pick up a couple things. So, um, but, but meanwhile, thank you so much. And how can we stay in touch with you or how can listeners stay in touch with what you're up to and where can we find the book? Give us sure. all the deets. Absolutely. You can DM me. I do Instagram every day. Becca Stevens on Instagram, just direct message me and I will respond to anybody. You can look us up on the website, my email, Thistle Farms email, all of it's up there on the website, thistlefarms.org follow Thistle Farms. Just come by and see us. I'll be there, Becca, probably, so they can see us all. (laughs) Thank you again for joining us. And everybody, make sure to pick up a copy of Practically Divine by Becca Stevens. And also, anybody that's listening that has advice about how to write mystery novels, please tell me. (laughs) DM Becca on Instagram. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, Becca. It's been fun. Peace. You've been listening to the Writer Fest podcast. For more information, see writerfestnashville.com and follow us on our socials.